Wake up, wake up, wake up, and good morning to you, Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger. It's wake up. Oh, my goodness. The 49ers drop a season-high 45 points to become the first team in the NFC to reach 11 wins. And, Larry, good morning. What do you know? Good morning. The system had itself a good day. Mr. Lucky to be here. Just, you know, Mr. Happenstance. Just happened to have another four-touchdown afternoon, his third of the season, and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel lead the Niners to a rousing victory over the Arizona Cardinals, swept again. Yes, uh, Brock Purdy for the second time in three weeks, four touchdowns, no picks. He was pretty good. He was pretty good and um, used all of his weapons. The Niners ran for over five yards a carry. Um, they got all their weapons involved. McCaffrey had another incredible day. Kittle was heavily involved against Buda Baker, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Um, yeah, it was a good all around performance. They didn't stop the run like we wanted to see him stop the run. Trey McBride definitely had a good day catching 10 of 11 balls, but but the Niner defense, um, you know, they gave up 30 roughly, but they still find a way to win and cover. So good win. No Armstead, no uh, Hargrave. 49ers played with seven rookies. Uh, they had seven rookies in uniform. So, um, you know, it was not a great start for the Niner defense. They definitely missed some tackles. But, man, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy and the Niner offense is cooking right now and um guys were just wide open debo wide open cmc wide open so wide open that you could throw him a pass he could land on the ground and get back up and start running and i, I think mean, he it was his twitter account i think he was on instagram posting yeah. some vacation photos by the time he had enough time to get up and run into the end zone i mean that is ridiculously wide open when you can fall down be flat on your chest have professional athletes at full sprint looking to just come and touch you and you have time to again catch a tan before you actually get up and go into the end right. zone it was extraordinary one of the dumber things that i saw is you know the always brock purdy discourse continues one of the dumber things i saw larry was someone say well the reason why he's not going to be mvp is because all of his receivers are wide open like <laughs> yeah what do you think the point of this all is folks do you think that there's any coach out there looking to dial up degree of difficulty for his quarterback? No, a coach's job is to make it easier. A good offense's job is to separate. And that's what happens time and time again. And I'm going to tell you, Larry, you know, uh, this past weekend, I saw some highlights of Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie, walking around. And I, right. I always think that one of Tiger's greatest gifts to just all of sports is the phrase a game. You know, he used to talk about, well, I can come out here and I can even win without my A game. I would suggest the 49ers won going away pretty much yesterday without their A game. On a day Fred Warner still led the game in tackles, I'm going to tell you Fred Warner didn't even have a particularly good game. One of the jarring statistics is allowing 234 rushing yards. Well, that's what the Cardinals do. It's kind of their DNA. They have a very good run-blocking offensive line. And without Hargrave or Armstead, you can see how important those two guys are to the formula, to the system, if you will. And their absence was felt yesterday. They need to get back for any bigger consequential game for sure. But it was still an afternoon 
where the offense did whatever it wanted to do and did so, Larry, in the kind of chunk plays that you normally only get in an afternoon of playing Madden. You know, NFL games normally don't see six, seven plays that go, you know, between 15 and 50 yards. Normally it's a a battle of inches all around and seven, eight yards here, seven, eight yards there. And those will kind of be your big plays of a drive or a down or something like that. Not the Niners. The Niners are hitting big plays all over the football field and they're doing it in the air and McCaffrey's doing it with his legs. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing not to like on the offense. The O-line, um, you know, opened run lanes. They kept Brock upright. Um, he was pretty much untouched. And then, you know, Brock, whether he's the better MVP candidate or, as he says, CMC's the better MVP candidate, uh, Brock was – was that was an incredible performance. I mean, you know, the Niners needed their offense to carry them in that game. They had no Armstead. They had no Hargrave. Um, Arizona was going to be able to put up points and Purdy just kept delivering all day, all day, never committed a turnover, never fumbled, never took a sack, um, four touchdown passes. You know, there wasn't a lot of adversity for the offense. Um, McCaffrey was handed the ball 18 times. He averaged 6.4 carry. I mean, he was, he was absolutely incredible. The O-line opened run lanes for him all day. Uh, he was good after contact. Um, caught all five of his targets. You know, I thought Jordan Mason looked really, really lively when he came in. He had a nice 17-yard run. And then Debo, Ayuk, and Jennings combined for 110 yards receiving on nine nine receptions, 14 targets. They came up big when they needed to. So, yeah, the Niner offense carried the day. And then Mooney Ward in the secondary did just enough to make it stand up. When I saw the list of guys who weren't playing, I saw that Javarius Ward was, and I put an exclamation point next to that, and he certainly put an exclamation point on this game a couple of times. His first two-interception game of his career, the first pick six of his career, and when you look at the gauntlet of receivers that he's basically been shutting down, you know, beginning after the bye week with Christian Kirk, we've seen DK Metcalf, we've seen A.J. Brown now on this list of guys that he shut down. He shut down Mike Evans a few times. Uh, he had a really nice play, maybe the only good play, defensive player of the afternoon against the Bengals, where he had a great play against Jamar Chase. This guy has been checking A-plus wide receivers for weeks on end now, and he's done so in a way where he's getting better. I mean, he's just playing some outstanding football. There was a lot of Pro Bowl buzz for him in that broadcast yesterday, and I think he's certainly worthy. And if we really had to stack up defensive MVPs, I mean, it's a conversation between Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. But Chavarius Ward has done as much as any player on that defense possible, Larry, to insert himself into the who might have had the best year on this defense. He's playing great. He's playing great, and um, sometimes those groin injuries can be nagging, and it was good to see him, um, you know, just get out there and play full full tilt. I mean, the, the first pick on the pick six, you know, it's fourth and three. Uh, Kyler's trying to throw it in, force it into the tight end, McBride, in a crowd. He clearly got a nice deep drop, read Kyler's eyes, and got like three, four steps of a break on that ball and just didn't never broke stride took it to the house and you know they really didn't look back from there. Um that was a incredible play. So yeah, I mean Charvarius is a big corner. Uh they're going to need him this week against Rashad Bateman. They're going to probably need him, you know, against AJ Brown and and you know CD Lamb. 
in the playoffs. Um, and he's, you know, is he a true number one? Is he a number two? Who knows? But he's a damn good corner with size. And um, it's good to see. It's good to see. And it's not just him. You know, it's it, to me, if you said, what's the big turnaround to the Niner defense since the bye week? It's the play of the three corners. It's Mooney. It's Lenore, who had nine tackles, eight solo yesterday. And it's Ambry Thomas. Those three guys have given them three corners that can really hug up tight on receivers. And you're starting to see the Niners get coverage sacks. Good morning. It's good to have you here on Niners Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. We're simulcasting on both of our channels. Hit like and subscribe no matter where you're watching. Thank you very much. It continues to grow. The legend is growing of this show. Larry, there's a lot of buzz that people have been telling me about this show, that they really like it in the mornings. They love it together. I know that you and I are thinking about building this out and doing it more than just even twice a week because we've been routinely doing it on Mondays and Fridays. And if people want more, if some is good, more is even better. And we will give it to you. Thank you so much for being here and choosing us. It means a lot to the both of us. As a matter of fact, it means so much to Larry He's decided to dress up the old studio for you. Tell everyone the big plans that you got coming in. Larry's got contractors coming in this morning. Yeah, well, the whole backdrop that you see right now, which has the Niner flags and a bookcase, the carpeted walls, it's all going to be changing. It's all we're, we're taking out the bookcase, taking on down the flags, going to have a kind of a, a different backdrop look that I hope is you guys are going to enjoy. Don't blow uh, it. Don't yeah, blow it. We'll, we'll see what it looks like. We'll see what it looks like. It'll look great. Meanwhile, our budget is still stuck on shelf of books over here. So we're just going to go with that over on our little humble beginnings. But I'll tell you, one of the lessons that I know will be lost on the nincompoops who try to cover this league and assume that things is easy and the Niners look so good that it's all premeditated. And of course, they're going to win a Super Bowl this year in the overconfident crowd. This is a little message to the overconfident crowd. And the football gods were tapping all of us on the shoulder yesterday, Larry. When Christian McCaffrey's over on the sideline after getting spilled on that cartwheel tackle, and he's doing a little inventory on his knee, just wondering, hey, is everything okay? And everything was okay. Kind of grabbing it, almost looked like he was putting it together surgically from the outside. Right, he's playing with his kneecap. He's trying to move things around. While he's taking that personal inventory, you got Brock Purdy getting clobbered around the neck, around the helmet, and he's into the blue tent. Back-to-back plays. Christian McCaffrey could have been really hurt. Brock Purdy could have been really hurt. And then just to let you know once again what a, you know, this is such a, a big, strong game with big, strong men. But the truth is it's also very, very fragile all at the same time. Randy Gregory pushes Paris Johnson Jr. backwards after a play in a get-off-me-man shove, and he falls into the back of Nick Bosa's left leg, and that put Bosa on the ground. So on a day where the Niners do score a season-high 45 points, you almost go full-on season over as red alert on three players who are the most important players in the room, McCaffrey, Purdy, and Bosa, all you know, but for a centimeter here, a millimeter there could have been very, very hurt. So that is the delicate thread on which every single big, powerful football season really rides on. And I do think we have reached deep enough in the year to acknowledge that, 
you know, if the Niners really do stay healthy, something very, very special could happen here. But that's a big if, and it's a big could. And there are still three more games available in which something catastrophic could happen. So enjoy it all in the vacuum. Don't just concentrate on the destination because the journey's not over and the journey can become perilous at any point at any point in time it really can I put, the the scare of football god should have been pumped into every single 49er fan for just a little bit yesterday yeah no question i mean and all of them uh you know the 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 hit to purdy seemed to be a little extra i don't know i don't know if that was necessarily needed it seemed like um he took a real shot right up around the head for what reason i that one seemed a little dubious Everything else is just kind of bad luck. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, luckily it sounds like all three of those guys are, are going to be fine, but you can't do this without those three guys. So, you know, and you sometimes you need a little fortune. You need a little good fortune and you need a little luck. Um, and maybe they, they got their good fortune yesterday. God knows in past years when they've had 22 guys on season-ending IR, um, they've had other seasons derailed by injuries. So Niner fans know the story well. So yeah, I mean, I, I, especially the one where the guy fell into Bosa's left ankle. Yeah. Um, that looked like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. But, um, did Bosa play after that? That was a question I was going to ask you. I had, you know, because it's the holidays and Christmas, I didn't get my chance to rewatch that game. I did not notice him after that though, Larry. I'll put that out there. Just because I didn't notice him doesn't mean that he didn't get back out there. But I don't necessarily think he did. And I don't want to get speculative. I don't want to just assume because I don't know. But, um, you know, a couple of people talks today. We'll, yeah, we'll well, and, and a few people right on the down. chat, you know, and we have a very smart chat room. Uh, three different people, four different people are saying, yes, he got back in there for snaps. He was fine, though. He did come back in. But, you know, he was also pulled out of that game late, and we've seen it again now. What is this, the seventh game this year where Sam Darnold has gone in there for, you know, his victory human cigar duty? I mean, that's the kind of season that Brock Purdy's having. He's 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 getting series off at the end of games because the Niners have such a commanding lead. He looks so unhappy when he's on the sideline watching Darnold, too, doesn't he? I mean, he just even though they're up big, even though it's supposed to be a big celebration and hey, you know, all giggles and, you know, yucking it up on the sideline. If there's anybody who looks like not comfortable at all, it's Brock Purdy when there's still time on the clock standing on the sideline watching Sam Darnold. It's like, you can tell he wants no part of that. No, <laughs> I mean, he wants no part of that. Well, Peyton uh, Manning famously wouldn't come out of games, right? He didn't want anyone taking a snap in a football game, but him. Right. And you know, Brock hasn't quite earned that yet, but who knows where that goes, but I, well, and we got to look, work. we also got to look at Sam Darnold for a couple plays. And I think that's, you know, what you saw there, I think is what you would see if Sam Darnold came in. Um, you know, he processes a little bit slower. But wait, 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 wait. I was told the system is yeah. all that is needed. That right. the, that every single one of these pieces is interchangeable for anybody else in the NFL, and they would have the same degree of success, if not more than right. Brock Purdy. Orlovsky says they could win a Super Bowl with uh, Sam Darnold. I uh, mean, I, I just think that what you saw with Sam Darnold right there is what you're going to see if Sam Darnold were in there. 
It's going to run the same plays to the same weapons out of the same scheme, same line, same everything, except the, you know, the, the processing is going to come a half second slower and the ball is going to come out a half second later. And it may come out with a little too much on it and may not be as accurate. And the combination is going to be some more incompletions and some more punts and fewer points and not as good of offense. And that's ultimately what Sam Darnold would bring. Uh, I don't know exactly what Sam Darnold would do. I don't, I don't think he would wet the bed, but I think we got a real good glimpse right there of what Sam Darnold would do. Right. He'd be better than Josh Johnson, but how much better? But would you still, you know, would you put up 40? Probably not. No, probably not. No, there's no way. By the way, brushless 707, is that teeth or hair? What has what exactly not been brushed? I don't know. Larry and I brushed our teeth. We brushed our hair. We tried to get nice looking for you, as good as we can anyways, to be here with you for a little Niners wake up on a Monday morning after a rousing 45-29 to 29 win over the Arizona Cardinals, and it really wasn't just that close. And it's officially time, Larry, for just the facts. Are you ready for the facts of the Niners coming out of this ball game? Sure. They've won the NFC West now for the 22nd time in franchise history. So congratulations. It's not easy winning a division anywhere in this league. The Niners have won their division. And for the 10th time in franchise history, they've swept the Cardinals in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2012 and 13. Uh, They've done that. They've done the same thing to the Seattle Seahawks. And if everything goes according to plan, they're going to try to do the same thing against the Los Angeles Rams. That would be two years in a row of sweeping all your regular season division games. And that's pretty darn impressive. It's the 12th consecutive overall win against NFC West opponents, which is the most since we're in the middle or, or, you know, at the end of peak Legion of Boom, Larry, up in Seattle back in 2002, 12 consecutive overall wins in division. I mean, that that's not going on anybody's, you know, headstone, but it's a big deal. That, that's significant. Well, and, you know, you can't control the division that you play in. The Niners of the 80s played in one of the worst divisions of all time. You know, I mean. The Rams had some good years there, but the Saints perennially were bad. The Falcons were worse. So, you know, you you play the division, you play. It's a down year for their division this year. Um, Some years, though, but I mean, but then you look at the Rams and you say, well, you know, the Rams might be playing as well as anybody in the NFC, you know, right now. And I think that Ram Niner game is going to be very, very challenging. It will uh, be, to be honest. So Rams are playing a lot better than the first time these two teams met. No and question. They played, and they played good enough to peel the, the doors back on the Niners for a half there. Remember, that was the game where everybody started talking about this defense. And, oh, no, Steve Wilkes, he's up in the press box, and he's not making adjustments, and he didn't have the right game plan from the beginning of the game. And so that's where a lot of a lot of anxiety began against the Rams. Right, and the Rams have a good running back. The Notre Dame kid, Kyron Williams, is a hell of a back. He had another great day yesterday, so – they can run it. They've got Stafford, and let's be honest, between Cooper Cup, who wasn't there for the first game, Puka Nakua, and Tutu, Tutu Atwell, you, you don't want any part. And then Higby, you don't want any part of the Rams. The Rams are are a very underrated football team right now. By the way, my uh, call to brushless was a, a little hint to take that down, Larry. You didn't take the hint. Take him down. 
Take them down. We don't need brushless oh, hanging out with us for the full hour and a half or two hours, whatever we're doing. There we go. There we go. There we go. Clean up, clean up your room, Kruger. You and your kid. You you don't make your beds. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, just the facts of Brock Purdy. Okay, he completed sixteen to twenty-five for two hundred forty-two yards, four touchdowns, and a passer rating of one thirty-five point three. His four touchdowns gives him twenty-nine. I believe that leads the NFL. Is it good to lead the NFL also in touchdown passes, Larry, when you basically lead the NFL in every other significant passing category? Is that good? Or is yeah, that, that, good? That, that would be good. That would okay. be good. And to me, what was the most impressive part is that Purdy is just constant. The, the people that said he was dink and dunk, the people said he was captain check down, you know, once again, judge the book by the cover and then never decided to read any of the pages within. Purdy is always looking down the field. He's always looking to attack downfield. Um, he'll take the check down if it's there, but he doesn't want to take the check down. And if if anything's open down the field, he's he's going to attack. You know, he's a very very aggressive quarterback. And again, as I said earlier, I don't even think it was the A game, not just on the defense. But times on the offense. I mean, I, I think the Niners went out there and scored a season high playing better than average, certainly decent football. But I didn't think that that was like peak Niners when we think of all the games played and all the plays and all the that brings them to wherever they go this year. I don't know how much we're going to reflect on this Arizona game. They just they had to handle their business and they certainly did. And that brings us to Christian McCaffrey. Just the facts, Larry. Christian McCaffrey, 18 carries, 115 yards, a touchdown on the ground with five catches on five targets for 72 more yards and two scores, two touchdowns in the air. His 20 total touchdowns this season are now the second most touchdown scored by a player in franchise history. Jerry Rice had 23 in 1987. And so while Brock is absolutely matching precedent of past quarterbacks who have been given MVP, I'd like to bring up that touchdown statistic because before the MVP was consolidated into one vote from one governing body, multiple bodies used to vote on NFL MVPs. And it used to be the AP poll, which is still the the end-all be-all of postseason awards in the NFL. And there used to be a professional writer's uh, a professional writer's uh, MVP award given as well. And that was given to Jerry Rice the year that he scored 23 touchdowns. So there's precedent for either Christian McCaffrey or Brock Purdy to be named an MVP based on what they've done and when you measure it against the past. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey. I mean, it's it's you know it's so funny because I know there were people on ESPN that ripped the trade that didn't like the trade of a two, a three, a four and a five for Christian McCaffrey. Um, I remember doing an interview with one of the Niner beat writers the day before that trade. I said, man, it looks like they're talking about McCaffrey. You think they ought to trade for McCaffrey? And he's like, no, I'm like, why? He's like, they don't need him. They've got Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, it was literally, that was the answer. The guy gave me the guy has amazing vision. He's in great shape. He's playing like his legacy is going to be defined by what he does this year. His y- yards after the catch, 
I mean, he's dominating the Cardinals. He's got seven touchdowns in two games against the Cardinals this year. How about this one, too? McCaffrey has scored more touchdowns this season than the Carolina Panthers have as a team. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty incredible. And, you know, and and very, you know, that, that that's perfect because we all know where he comes from. Um, he's got 80 touchdowns in 89 career games, Larry. 80 touchdowns in 89 career games. He's now tied Marshall Falk with his 15th game with one rushing touchdown and one or more receiving touchdown. That's tied for the most games in NFL history. It's his fourth season with at least 1,000 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards. Only four such players in NFL history have ever done that, and their names are Marshall Falk, Tiki Barber, and Thurman Thomas have now done that along with Christian McCaffrey. He's one of three players in NFL history to register at least 6,000 rushing yards and 4,000 receiving yards in his first seven seasons of his career. Again, Marshall Falk and Roger Craig are the only other two backs that have ever done that in NFL history. So we all know that Marshall Falk is in the Hall of Fame. I think any 49er fan watching asks almost every day, why isn't Roger Craig in the Hall of Fame? And uh, and and McCaffrey, if his season, if his career ended today, I think he's in the Hall of Fame, Larry. I really do. This guy's been amazing since the day he stepped foot in the league. There were two sort of dip years as he was recovering from injury around bad Carolina Panther football. And, you know, he's, he's been extraordinary. He's really been extraordinary. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I don't, I don't do guaranteed take it to the bank, but the NFL's MVP is on the 49ers. And it's either Brock or McCaffrey. And the one guy who gets it is going to be the other guy who didn't get it is going to be thrilled for the guy who did because they both understand what they mean to this offense. You had Brock lobbying for Christian McCaffrey to be this league's MVP. And then you got Christian McCaffrey up there lobbying for Brock Purdy to be this league's MVP. You know, it's a great, they got a great culture going right now. And it's even beyond obviously those two. I can't remember, and I've been watching football for decades, I can't remember a team where the receivers blocked as well as these guys do down the field for the runners and where the running backs blocked downfield this well for the receivers. Um, you know, the, the, niner, the Niner weapons, whoever's getting the ball is really dangerous with the ball in their hands, but the unreported part is whoever's not getting the ball has turned into a devastating blocker. Um, Ayuk is devastating. Debo, Kittle, CMC, Juice, Jawan Jennings. Every single one of these guys is really good when they catch it or run with it, but equally good when they're blocking for one of their teammates who's catching it or running with it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there, and that's a, that's a culture. That's Larry, not that, just like, uh, hey, you know, hey, they they got a bunch of good blockers. No, they they have a culture where this is the expectation. And Shanahan has spoken to it in the last couple of weeks. Look, Juwan Jennings is, in terms of being targeted, the least of the 49ers receivers. Yet he is among the most important players on this team when it comes to explosive plays. Explosive plays are usually coming off the backs of Juwan Jennings blocking off Charlie Warner and George Kittle splitting guys like bookends. I mean, it it's uh, 
it's more than just the offensive line. You're totally right about that. And you don't get explosive plays unless you got full team buy-in. And explosive plays, according to the NFL, are any passing play that goes north of 20 and any running play that goes north of 10. Yesterday, the 49ers had chunk plays of 41, 35, 26, 22, 22, 19, 19, 18, and 17 yards. I include all of those teenagers in there because those were running plays, except one of them was a passing play. But I mean, but these, these are plays that you're lucky to have once in a game. Good teams will have one of these and a half. To put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine measurably explosive plays, according to NFL standards, into one afternoon of offense, that's when you're going to go about scoring a season high 45 points. I mean, it was, it was, it's so easy for them at times to move the football. I understand, I guess, why some people think that, you know, this is this conversation about who should be MVP shouldn't be on the Niners because it all just comes so easy. I mean, there is a level of wide receivers being open, tight ends being open that you don't see in other football games. And, you know, it's amazing. Kyle Shanahan, for some people, still hasn't won a Super Bowl, so that means he's not good enough to be respected. But other people will tell you that he's the best coach in football and then go right back to the argument, well, he hasn't done anything yet because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. You know, you can't have it both ways. Kyle is either really good at this or he's not. And he really is. And if you need to see him host a Lombardi trophy before you acknowledge he's really good at this, all you understand is the finish line. You know nothing about the journey. This guy is an unbelievable coach, not just from a schematic, draw it up, find the mismatch standpoint, but like you said, Larry, the culture, the buy-in, the downfield blocking, asking receivers to get physical. This is an ask rarely made in NFL locker rooms, or if it's made, it's then, you know, kind of in one ear out the other. It's not really what we do. No, you cannot play for the Niners. You can't get on the field unless you have a full buy-in of what Shanahan wants. So funny, too, because the last few weeks, there's been this whole like groundswell of, you know, Purdy's really good now to the people that were saying that he should be sitting because now it's undeniable. And now their doubt has shifted to Shanahan. And it's it's hilarious because, you know, Shanahan is um, the best coach in football that doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. It's as simple as that. Uh, And it's amazing, too. It's like. You know, you get this argument of bah, Purdy ain't nothing, Purdy ain't nothing. And then suddenly when Purdy starts playing well, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, well, you know, Purdy's got Shanahan. And then but then when the comp when the topic turns to Shanahan, it's like, well, he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. It's like, you know what? Uh, Andy Reid didn't get it done in Philly. But Andy Reid's now got two Super Bowls in Kansas City. So. You know, I mean, Bill Walsh was was a great coach, um, you know, at Stanford and won there. But he was greater when you put him with Joe Montana. You know, you, you got to have that head coach. But ask Bill Belichick how important the quarterback is. Um, yeah. You know, the quarterback's kind of important. So, um, you know, you, the, the Niners the, have, you know, the hypothetical experiment that people want the Niners to run to satisfy their own questions is being run in several other NFL cities right now. 
the answer that you seek of the Niners is the answer that's being delivered in Kansas City, that's being delivered in New England. Yeah, you can have a great quarterback in Kansas City with a great coach, but when you start losing pieces around, doesn't quite function like it used to. Or you can still have the great coach and a lot of decent pieces, but you miss that quarterback and all of a sudden you're the New England Patriots talking about it's going to be Bill Belichick's last year. It's not Bill Belichick that's not getting the job done. It's Mac Jones or who's ever playing quarterback. You know, I mean, right. that's that where the problem is. Yeah. 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 You got to have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and the Niners got to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo post, uh, you know, Sands Kyle Shanahan. He, he's riding the bench looking at uh, the Purdue kid. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it, Kyle Shanahan's a really good coach and his play designs are really, really good. And, you know, it's funny. Some people argue that Kyle's awesome and so Purdy's not good enough. Other people argue that Purdy's awesome and that and that he's somehow carrying Kyle and will expose Kyle along the way. They're both really, really good. Um, and you know, this just in. I mean, this is the, they got a great shot right now. I mean, I'll tell you what I don't want to hear, and I'm already starting to hear it, is this little dull drum beat that's starting to get louder about how this is a down year for the NFL. You know, it's like, so is that going to be the disc? Is that going to be the discrediting term after these guys are standing in the winner's circle on Super Bowl Sunday? It's like, yeah, they won the, they won a Super Bowl in a down year for the NFL. Oh, well, you really? know, all of a sudden it's the, that- it's the Dodgers COVID world series. <laughs> right. It's, it's the Lakers in the freaking bubble. So <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> it's down like- year for the NFL. What would make this a down year for the NFL? Lots of quarterbacks get hurt. Newsflash that happens every year. Yeah. What's going to make it a down year for the NFL? Offensive line blocking is a problem. Uh, newsflash that happens almost every year. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's what, Come on. I get that sense, though. I get that sense that people are going to be like, well, you know, this team didn't have that, and that team didn't have this, and all this. That. You know, I'm kind of wondering who's going to be standing in that winner's circle coming out of the AFC. I'm really eager to see the Niners win a couple more games and get that bye. I mean, if you give the 49ers the bye, and they only need two games to win at home to go to the Super Bowl, I, I like their chances. I think the bye week's more important to the Niners than home field advantage would be in any game. Yeah. Rest is what makes this team really pop, not what field they're playing on. So, uh, yeah, that bye week would be just massive. Well, especially since they travel so well. I mean, how many? It seemed like there were 70% Niner fans yesterday. Yeah. No, th- there are no real road games for the Niners if it comes to, well, crowd noise could disturb what you're doing. When Javarius Ward picked off Kyler Murray, that place sounded like candlestick, much less Levi's. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, and, 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 and Pittsburgh in the, you know, I remember week one in Pittsburgh. I mean, this is the, the home of the terrible towel and the most, you know, devoted fan base and this and that there, you could hear the let's go Niners chant in the fourth quarter in week one. Look they, at that they, game. they take over LA, they take over Philly, they take over. I mean, the Niners, fan is the combination of maybe an affluent fan base an iconic franchise fans that are truly spread out all over the country the Niners the Cowboys the Steelers uh the Patriots they're they're these iconic teams that when they get really good 
and they travel out on the road, their fans travel with them in number. Well, that's the thing. It's not like every single red jersey you see in an opposing stadium took off from SFO. There are nine right. fans everywhere. Right. They're like cockroaches. They're everywhere. Thank you, Joe Montana. Thank you, Steve Young. Thank you, Jerry Rice. You know, the those are the gentlemen that that made those uh, people Niner fans. No maybe doubt about even, it. Maybe even a little uh, little Jim Harbaugh, a little Colin Kaepernick, a little Frank Gore. Those guys had a hand in it as well. Look, it's uh, it's it's the only NFL jersey that I saw within ten minutes of getting off of a train station in Paris. Yeah. Boom! There is a Joe Montana jersey. Within 10 minutes of me being in Paris, I'm looking at a Joe Montana jersey before I've even left, what, the Charles de Gaulle station or whatever that was. So uh, kind of amazing, kind of amazing. And I'll also say this, on my European vacation, I saw Raiders jerseys too. Raiders, there are a lot of those sons of bitches out there. They really are. A lot Um, of Raider fans. Yeah. Uh, Look, uh, just the facts as we continue here on Niners Wake Up with Damon and Larry. The 49ers scored a touchdown on their opening possession for the ninth time this season. They've scored an NFL high 66 points on their opening possession of games this season. They're the NFL's best point total on an opening drive through 14 games in 23 years. Again, this speaks to preparation and coaching and having your script ready to go for either you know, your, your, your first possession after halftime. Well, no, this is the first possession only. Um, but Debo has now scored one or more touchdowns in three straight games for the first time in his career. And as we've agreed, Larry, when the, the Niners are at their best, Debo is heavily involved. And even though he wasn't heavily involved in touches, he was heavily involved in impact in Arizona. There's no doubt about that. And defensively, look, career day for Chavarius Ward. Nick Bosa did record another forced fumble and a sack, giving him 10 and a half sacks on the season and 53 and a half sacks for his career. He's now got eight games with at least a sack and a forced fumble still early on in his career. He's reached 10 or more sacks in a season for the third consecutive season, making him just one of four active NFL players to have accomplished that. It's Miles Garrett, Hassan Reddick, and Micah Parsons. So Nick Bosa is in what I would even call a little bit of an off year for him because it got off to a slow start. Nick Bosa is still among the best of the best of the best of the best at what he does in this league. He's awesome. You know, he's, he's, he's in this, he's in his super prime. Um, He's got help, you know, and then they were down. No, no Armstead, no Hargrave. Then they lost Kalia Davis in the second quarter. Um, you know, and, and they, and they get gutted a little bit against the run. I mean, we'll talk about that. I'm sure at some point, but you know, there were a couple negatives out of this game, but Bosa is just, you know, the Niners really lucked out that Arizona went with Kyler, right? Arizona could have drafted Nick Bosa and passed, um, for Kyler. And every time he plays Arizona, it's like, he wants to remind them what they could have had. By the way, totally off subject but I truly believe that the reason the A's selected Kyler Murray is because they knew they wouldn't have to pay a first round draft pick because they knew he was going to go to the NFL. So it's like they can pick the player that everyone really likes, but then they know that they're never going to have to actually sign that player and commit the money to that player. And that's why I think the A's drafted Kyler Murray, to be totally honest with you. 
Uh, and, and a few things that have happened since then have sort of revealed the overall franchise's game plan. But now we're off topic. Let's get back onto the Are top. Are you saying the A's sometimes will make moves to save a buck? I, I find that very hard to believe. Every now and then, there's this much chance of happening. Um, but by the way, your mic is like, hey, just glitching I, a tiny bit, Larry. I need uh, you to pay for soda. Plugged uh, in. Okay, let me see. Yeah, I think so. There you go. Let me see. Let me check my audio. I'll check my audio. Um, sometimes. No, the audio should be good. No, it's testing fine. Um, okay, we're good. It's, it just sounded a little bit better. For a minute there, it got a little glitchy, glitchy. The cords, maybe because we undid everything and put it all back together. Oh, by the way. Tell me, how was uh, how how was your get together at Pig and a Pickle? We're so sorry that we couldn't join you, Jillian. In the name of Christmas is next weekend, commandeered the vehicle like in a bad action movie when a cop runs up to a total like, "I need your car, ma'am." She commandeered our vehicle, and I, and, <laughs> and I couldn't make it up to 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 come out and support you and and have a great lunch at Pig and the Pickle. Oh man, it was great. It was great. Um, I would say somewhere between, and it's not a big restaurant. So there's not tons of room. So I was a little concerned on both fronts because we had no idea how many people would be there. Um, and because we just put it out and just kind of said, hey, we're going to be there. But I would say there was roughly 45 people there over the course of the uh, afternoon. Um, and it was really cool. I mean, it's, you know, it's the meet and greets are fun. We had a guy come from Reno. Wow. We had a guy come from Chico. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. And it, it, you know, it was fun to meet a lot of the, a lot of the fans face to face. Some of your, some of the fans that came to your meet and greet there in the city came back. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. We had some great barbecue, sat around, watched the game and, uh, and, and chopped it up and talked about the show. And then we did a group picture in the corner and, uh, it was cool. Very cool. So thanks to everybody who came out to, uh, to the, the meet and greet, the first annual meet and greet for the Krug show. And I had people suggesting that you and I should do uh, all road games in sports bars and start charging sports bars to pack them because we packed the place. Well, we packed, we, we, we packed the rooms on, on YouTube. We can pack physical rooms too. Maybe that is something, but the problem is you and I really got to watch these games to it's make harder sure. to watch the game. We're good at this, and this is what's important. This is why people come and keep coming back to us. Not what I think we should do, Larry, is take advantage of bye weeks and off days and get together and just have beers without the football game. But football well, game means it's it's a day of work for us. Okay, what somebody suggested this one. What do you think of this one, D Bruce? If the Niners do get the bye, would we do a meet and greet? a collective meet and greet with our two audiences at a sports bar during the NFL playoffs during the bye week, bye week, bro down. So like basically, you know, I guess during the wild card round yeah, during wild card weekend, could we get together in January post holidays at some establishment for a little, let's throw them back and watch the playoffs together. Now it is playoffs. But uh, some people are very serious about their playoffs, and I am one of them. But, you know, if the Niners have the bye, um, you know what? That might be a good time to to uh, gather the nation together. 
I like it. That sounds like yeah. a great idea. I think you and I should uh, continue to explore said idea. Yeah. And there's uh, uh, more than a couple of uh, places that would love to house us. I've been told. No doubt. No doubt. Larry, let's talk about a few things that we like and a couple of things that we didn't like coming out of that game as we yeah. get into the final stretch here, the last three games of the year. Um, since we've been working in nothing but positive watercolor, since we hopped on the air at 8 a.m., let's talk about what we didn't like. And I think you and I are going to go right to the same place. Punt return, kick return is way too much of an adventure week in, week out. And Ronnie Bell has nearly given the ball away to the point where I think that they have to take that job away from him. And either Ray Ray McLeod, who fumbled again before he got hurt, he needs to reassume the role or they just got it to give it to Debo or just fair catch these damn things and don't worry about it. Um, punt return remains a massive headache. And I don't know why, but it's the one blind spot of this team for several seasons. Now it really is. And, um, just not fumbling the punt return away would be a great place for the Niners to operate the rest of this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting the Kyle Williams flashback, um, feelings when I'm watching Ronnie bell and I like Ronnie bell. Um, but He's making me nervous. Yep. Um, dropped pass on third and seven in the third quarter. He was tiptoeing the sideline. It was like, I can forgive that. That's football. But this near fumbling things, and man, uh, Charles Davis totally got that wrong on the broadcast yesterday. Like, Bell is clearly down because his forearm is down, and Charles Davis is like, well, just because his forearm is down doesn't mean any part of him and any other part is down, and that's a fumble. No, Charles, that's, is it your first day in the booth? What are you talking about? That is textbook he down. Um, and you can see it on the replay, but still too close, too, too close for comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, there's been, this isn't the first time he fumbled the ball out of bounds. Was it two games ago or last yep. game? Had a really nice. Um, he also had a diving play where he, he didn't look like he, he's kind of built kind of slight and it worries me about just him taking a big hit and coughing it up when the month, when it counts. Okay. So next week against the, the Ravens, the playoffs, I think I'd like to see Debo on the kickoff return. And I'd like to see Ayuk on the punt return. And I know people would say, well, I don't know. That's awfully risky. It's risky not having them there. Right. And the, the you're talking about a, one of the nation's best college kick returners. You're talking about one of the nation's best college punt returners. These guys, it's not like these guys are like, well, let's throw them back there and let's see if they know how to do it. No, Ayuk's really good at it, and Debo's really good at it. And if when they get into, you know, gotta have it Super Bowl Sunday kind of a game or NFC Championship game or. Even next week against the Ravens, I kind of prefer to see Ayuk and Debo get, you know, one more touch there. They're both the kinds of body types that you just they you can't just hit them hard and they cough it up. So that's really to me the what I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebody who can just get smoked but still won't cough up the ball. And Ronnie Bell doesn't fit that description. He was reminding me a lot of Kyle Williams. Yeah. I mean, bigger than Kyle Williams, but fumbling like Kyle Williams. That's where the reminder comes from. Um, and if that's what's wrong with special teams, let's just look at it from the other side, because 
kickoff has not been a problem. Uh, the best aspect of this team's special teams is Mitch Wisnowski. This guy is a tremendous punter. And let me just say this about Jake Moody. I think you don't need to worry about Jake Moody. Uh, he hit his 43-yard field goal yesterday in all six of his points after touchdowns. And if you're looking for shaky kickers, shaky kickers are revealing themselves on points after touchdowns ever since that got moved back to the point where it's a legitimate kick. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an attempt. Um, and he is perfect this season on points after touchdowns. Uh, Jake Moody, a 43-yard field goal yesterday, all six of his point after touchdowns. He's converted on each of his 52 points after touchdowns this season, which ties him with former New England Patriots kicker Stephen Guskowski for the most pats without a miss since the kick was moved back to the 15 in 2015. So. To me, that's reassuring. You know, lining up for a big, big field goal in the Super Bowl is a whole different animal than a point after touchdown in Arizona. I get that. But kicking is about going through the exact same motion, no matter the situation. This kid's got his motion down, and I haven't been worried about him missing a big kick since the big kick he missed in Cleveland. I know. Not, I've had an opportunity to talk to him. He's just solid. He's just very solid. So it's like that, that to me goes a great distance. He's a solid personality. You know, it's weird. It's like one of those things. I'm not that superstitious, but kind of one of the things I kind of believe in is it's like the more you talk about the kicker, the more of a rookie that he is. If you don't, if you just don't talk about it, maybe he'll just kind of play like a veteran. You know what I mean? It's like you're not superstitious. You're just a little stitious. I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> superstitious. I just don't, you know, I, if 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 the onus and the pressure is not put squarely on his shoulders, if you can somehow just not make him the dialogue and the focus of everything, I think he'll be just fine. I think he'll be just fine. And there, he's going to be their kicker for a long, long time. It's got and a big. I think life. it also it may also have kind of helped his disposition that Robbie Gold officially retired. You know, maybe that. You know, because I mean, I think all Niner fans were kind of looking over their shoulder in the first half of the year it was a combination of what's Jake going to do and is Robbie going to sign somewhere else and what's Robbie's future? Does he want to kick? I mean, Robbie is does have the 38 for 38 in the playoffs, but um, they're riding with this kid. And you know what? As much as it makes me nervous, there is um, something really kind of cool about the fact that the last time the Niners won the Super Bowl. They had Doug Bryan. He was a rookie at a Cal, and they won the Super Bowl. And why did they? How did they do it? Well, they didn't lean on Doug Bryan. You know, uh, they scored so many damn points that they, you know, they, he was a non-factor. And I think that probably would be my uh, hope, wish that this year is the exactly the same way that this offense will cook on such a level that uh, they won't get involved in field goal games, and Jake can just blend in. The only other really disturbing aspect of, of Sunday's game in Arizona was they allowed the Cardinals 234 rushing yards, over seven yards a pop on the ground. But that's all the Cardinals really had to offer. Beyond throwing to Trey McBride, they were running the ball. Connor is a monster. Um, and they, they look, they've got a very good offensive line run blocking. Running the football is what they do. They're a top 10 team in this league running the football and 
it was an afternoon where the Niners defense was begging you to run the football. Like you said, Kalea Davis gets hurt in game and neither Eric Armstead nor Javon Hargrave even played in the game. So the middle was to be had. And you saw a lot of, Hey, diddle diddle. The Cardinals are running right up the middle. And the other thing, and again, this is like ripping Santa Claus, Santa Claus on, on Christmas Eve. Even though we led the game in tackles, Fred Warner did not have a good game yesterday. Not, not by the Fred Warner standards that we've become used to. Fred had a, at least two or three tackles missed. The Amari uh, DiMercato 49-yard touchdown, that came right out of a Warner missed tackle. Um, the biggest chunk play of the day for Arizona. Uh, so, again, just because we like to keep it real here on, on Niners Wake Up, we're going to tell you when someone has a good day, when someone has a less than good day. It was a less than good day for Fred Warner on an afternoon where – he needed to clean up everything because there was so, so little stout defense being played right in front of him where normally it's really hard to run on the Niners. It became easier yesterday. And Javon Kinlaw still appointed himself pretty well, all things considered, but he can't do it all alone. Um, well, first of all, you know, it's like Fred Warner, what kind of year are you having? You had, a, you had nine tackles, eight solo and a half sack. And yet, I think you're right. I think it was kind of a right. down Minus. effort. Yeah, it was not. A, you know, you could have had 12 tackles and 11 solo and a two and a half sacks, Fred. Uh, but no, I mean, let's give this is sometimes you got to credit the opponent. I mean, um, Dermercado is one of the strongest running backs in the entire league as far as just breaking tackles. This guy was a horse at TCU. He's a horse now. He's five foot eight. 220 pounds you know what i mean so he's just a monster and he runs hard and that 49 yard touchdown run they should have brought him down like seven different times i think gregory had a shot warner had a shot um you know they, they should have brought him down they just didn't wrap against der mercado and then and then uh, connor is a monster as well he's 230 then michael carter is a really hard runner he had three carries nine yards a pop uh, murray ran for almost Eight, over eight yards a carry on, you know, 49 yards on six carries. His long was 15. Um, so, I mean, this, this is a really, you know, they, those are four, even though the Cardinals are not a good team, even though the Cardinals are three and 11, James Connor, Amari Dermacato, Kyler Murray, Michael Carter, you know, there may not be four more difficult guys out there in anybody's run game to tackle than those guys. I mean, Dermacato well, is a horse. And he really runs hard. Since we're tipping our cap to the opponent, Trey McBride is a Great hell player. of a player. He's a hell of a player, and he had one of the single best games that anyone in the NFL has had against the 49ers all year long. Trey McBride did whatever he wanted to do all afternoon long. He got open. He made great catches, some of them in the catch radius. Others, he's really extending himself. Uh, just, just outstanding. Oh, he's I mean, a great player. He was great at Colorado State. I mean, anybody who watches college football, I mean, Trey McBride was like, he was a superstar college football player. And for whatever reason, it's taken him a little while to kind of adjust to the NFL. He's going to be one of the NFL's best tight ends for the next five years. And and the Stanford receiver, who they use as, as a tight end as well, Elijah Higgins, is a mismatch. I mean, he's just really, really fast. He had four catches. 44 yards and a touchdown on four targets. I, I wanted the Niners to grab him in the draft. I thought Higgins was going to be a sleeper day three pick um, 
you know, he was a jumbo receiver uh, for David Shaw. And here he's like that movement flexed out, you know, second tight end. And those two, you know, they're two tight end set with Higgins and McBride. Those guys are real. I mean, you know, their receivers were banged up in this game. Michael Wilson was banged up. Um, yeah, you know, they had a couple different receivers that were Hollywood Brown didn't play, right? Yeah, so, I mean, their receivers were banged up. But if they're if you give Arizona a full complement of guys, you know, they've got good weapons. They really do. Give Jonathan Gannon a couple of years. He's a good coach, Larry. I think he's a good coach. Uh, seven I think you're plays, right. Seven plays, 75-yard scoring drive. Welcome to Arizona. Right off the rip, Cardinals take their – opening possession and scored a touchdown. They came out instantly frisky. And you know what? He knew it was an afternoon where punting on fourth and short was not the way to beat the Niners. And so on his first fourth down of the afternoon, that fourth and what, three or two, whatever it was, Kyler throws the pick six to Javarius Ward, who, look, if if interceptions returned for touchdowns could be compared to artwork, I mean, that really is up there with the Mona Lisa of jumping routes and then just taking off with the ball. You know, it's a little unfair that we look at a corner and we don't understand what an, a spectacular athlete they are until they can finally, like, just show you. I mean, every single play of their career basically begins with them running backwards. So they're at a disadvantage, right? They're backpedaling at the start of every single game. But you give Mooney Ward a chance to break on the ball and go full stride. Holy shit, Larry, I had no idea he was that fast. I mean, he he looked like an Olympic sprinter going to the end zone. Seriously. What an athlete. Oh, he was <laughs> shot out of a cannon. Uh, that was, I guess, my other concern coming out of this game is we all saw Demo Lenore wince mightily when they were grabbing around his rib area in the fourth quarter. You know, what's his situ- what's his pain tolerance? Can they shoot that? Can he play against the Ravens? He's played such exceptional football inside, outside. In a lot of ways, Lenore is the key to their pass coverage because it seems like he can make any alignment work because he can play both inside and outside. Um, that would be my big injury concern coming out of this game is what's the health of Lenore's ribs? Can he go next week against uh, against the Ravens? I mean, that that that's a big one because Lenore has been absolutely phenomenal. If we look around the NFL, not only did the Niners handle their business, but some business that they needed handled in this league also broke in their direction yesterday. And look, it is beat the opponent in front of you time for every NFL team that thinks it's going somewhere this year to the postseason. And the whole there's no such thing as an easy game was borne out as the Falcons lost in Carolina 9-7 to in an ugly rainy, hardly any fans in attendance game. It was a weird feeling in Carolina and Carolina played weird enough to win nine to seven over the trying to make the playoff Atlanta Falcons. We saw also on Sunday, a, uh, an interesting result at Lambeau field where the Buccaneers who could be a playoff team got a perfect passer rating, 381 yards and four touchdowns out of a reborn Baker Mayfield for a 34 20 win over the Packers who had they won, they'd be getting closer to a possible playoff appearance. So that was a big loss for both the Falcons and the Packers. 
But the single biggest loss, Larry, happened in Buffalo, where the Bills beat the Cowboys 31-10. to And anyone who was trying to make the, well, Dak is going to be this league's MVP before Brock Purdy, that argument basically got kicked in the nuts by the Buffalo Bills yesterday. I mean, Dallas can't stop the run. I mean, you know, you don't win in the NFL when you can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. Buffalo looked at their film and said, you know what? We don't really have any real big-time runners. All we have is Ty Johnson and Latavius Murray and James, James Cook. Cook. Who went well, bonkers yesterday. They ran 49 times for 266 and gave up 5-4 a carry. Now, I, the Niners also had a bad day stopping the run. You could point to the Niners and say, well, look at the Niners. They couldn't stop the run either. But we know why. The Yeah. And the Niners have been able in the head-to-head matchups against Dallas to run the ball and stop the run. They stop Pollard, and they run at will for any, any yard they want. So I think Dallas is, Dallas is a bully team. If they get up on you multiple scores – their DBs are like sharks in the water with, you know, with blood, uh, you know, and, and, and they're just, they're selling out for picks. They can, they can take a 21, you know, three game and make it 35, three better than anybody in pro football, because they can put a lot of heat on you uh, on the quarterback. But if you can keep them on their heels and make all their speed guys play the run, you can gash them. And that's what Buffalo did. That's what the Niners have done. And that's the way to beat the Cowboys. So I don't see, I, everybody talks about the Cowboys and yeah, they got an explosive offense. Where was that explosiveness yesterday? Scored 10 points. And it wasn't like one of these snowy days um, in Buffalo. They, you know, it wasn't 45 mile an hour wins. Right. Buffalo just came out and said, we're going to, we're going to pass it 15 times and we're going to throw it. We're going to run it 49 times because we don't think Dallas can stop our run and Dallas couldn't stop their run. Right. How do you beat the Dallas Cowboys? Well, you basically turn into Navy. Right. <laughs> you run run the ball 50 times, couple of passes. That's it. Um, look, uh, speaking of blood in the water, Larry, you just talked about you know, Dallas DBs, blood in the water, feeding frenzy. This brings us to Monday Night Football in Seattle because Darius Slay is not playing. We knew that before the weekend even began. He is out of that game. DK Metcalf has to be thinking, ooh, hot supper. That's That sounds good to DK Metcalf that Darius Slay is not playing. And Jalen Hurts downgraded this past weekend to questionable. He's under the weather, and we'll see whether or not he gets upgraded and is playing it could be Marcus Mariota and the Eagles going into Seattle on Monday night football in a game that the Eagles absolutely have to win if they want to stay on the lead lap now with the Niners, the 11-win NFC team. The only 11-win team in the NFC right now are the 49ers. Eagles can join them there, and then the Niners obviously have the, the tiebreaker over them. But it's uh, it's amazing how the Eagles have fallen. Yeah. The they they yeah. just replaced their defensive coordinator with Matt Patricia. Sean Desai is still an Eagles coach, but he's no longer the coordinator. Demoted. Demoted for Matt Patricia. You got Hertz downgraded to questionable um, due to an illness. You got an Eagle team that's dropped two in a row 
and doesn't isn't going to have big play slay. And then you've got a super urgent Seattle team that's lost four in a row and their season's on the brink tonight. So, and they're at home. Who's going to start at quarterback for Seattle? We don't know yet, do we? Gino or Drew Locke? I'll tell you, I, I, I think Drew Locke played well last week. He did. He did. He really did. So uh, either way, I think Seattle can win this game. I really do. Seattle is as desperate as a football team can be to win. Pete Carroll has never lost five in a row, ever, I don't think. Even when, like, Jets New England days, maybe, maybe, maybe he caught a five-loss streak back then. But uh, it, it's What's little- happened to the Eagles' D, by the way? I mean, Eagles' defense have slipped to 23rd in the NFL in DVOA against the pass. I don't know if and, Kyle. I don't know if Kyle gave the league the blueprint, but basically, you match up skill position players on their linebackers. Their linebackers can't run with your tight ends and your wide receivers, and teams are onto it. And they can't get off the field on third down. They give up forty-eight point one percent third down conversion rate. That's dead last in the NFL. Dead last. It's hard to believe. That's not good. It's not going to get it done. Oh, and speaking of blood in the water. Larry, I got a Kevin Kruger market report uh, as we move into, well, we're inside our 9 a.m. hour here on the West Coast. Uh, We have more than 1,200 viewers across both of our stations, which once again, for yet another week, whenever we do this, are more viewers than both sports talk radio stations in San Francisco have combined. So little old you and little old me, are bigger than billion-dollar yet still on the brink of bankruptcy corporations giving you corporate sanitized radio. We don't do that over here. We give you what's really happening. What was that number he gave you? So we're at 1,200 total viewers. No, we're we're actually not. We're at 1,326. And that's just on your end. Right. That's just on your end. Then when you take into uh, what I've got over here, nearly 400 more, Larry. So we're at 1,700 total combined viewers, while uh, uh, 95.7 has 850 and KNBR has 370. So the people have spoken. Wait a second. We better not talk about that or this show. We'll get another phone call. And by the end of the day, the show will just be called Up. <laughs> We're taking the word wake back. <laughs> up. Hey man. Hey man, you guys can have up and that's it. We're taking you, the wake. We've come for wake. And by the way, you're not even allowed to say game anymore. And you're not allowed to use the word leader. <laughs> and Please refer to the players only by their initials. Don't <laughs> use at any point in time the numbers 957 six, eight, or zero. Those numbers are now trademarked and proprietary <laughs> of, of two dying flagship stations. And uh, yeah, it's good to be over here on YouTube. No doubt about it. Please go ahead. Hit like, hit oh, subscribe. Um, I know what I was going to tell you. Did you yes. see the Jung Hoo Lee presser? I did, by the way. Did you see what he said when he was asked the question by Susan Slusser of what he likes to do on his free time? Did he say watch YouTube? He said watch YouTube and eat delicious food cooked by his mother. 
which is just like that maybe is the greatest the greatest answer of all time i told kev we gotta we gotta clip that answer and turn put that in the intro from now on john hooley's favorite thing to do watch youtube Watch YouTube. It's everybody's favorite thing to do these days. Thank you very, very much for watching YouTube. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for hitting like. Thank you for supporting what Larry and I are doing. And and uh, it, that looks like Larry's being, uh, you're getting the hook here, aren't you, Mr. Sandman? Well, yes. But today is construction day here at the studio, and we will be uh, taking the studio un- and making it, putting it under construction. So as you see the bookshelf and the flags and all that stuff will be coming down. We're going to have a whole new set by hopefully by the end of the day. And my man has arrived. He t- I was told he was going to come sometime between 845 and 915. It is 911, Damon. Well, man I tell you what, as here. So let's quickly, real quickly, go through some super chats that have come in, Larry. I see you've got a few started. Let's go through them rapidly. Yeah, and I then do want- Trent and Ralph will wrap things up. Sounds good. And I do want to, because it does not group all of the super chats with all of the new members and Damon's now got a membership, right? So we do. memberships are offered. If you would like to be among the initiated, uh, please go ahead, like subscribe and memberships are available. If you ask me, what does that get you? The answer is I really don't even know. I don't even so, know yet, but we're going to figure it out. I promise. Yeah. And what, you know, and I've been doing memberships since the beginning as well. And it's like five ninety nine a month. But you have a couple new members here. Um, Mike one, Mike thirteen. There you go. He's become a YouTube member, and you have a bunch here at the start. A bunch, or maybe three or four. Let me see if I can get them. Um, it, we may have had so many comments that it's not going to let me get. Did to they them get already. wiped out of the cache? Well, here's the thing. We will. They're very at the very, very, very top of the show. There were a bunch of people that jumped in saying that they're brand new uh, Damon members. But we'll, well thank see you like very, very much. And we'll try to get everybody their shout outs and the acknowledgement of it uh, when my 11 a.m. show starts here. So but thank okay, you. Okay, Here we go. Much. David Campbell says, can either of you come up with with uh, historically a historic player comp for Debo? Um, Not in production, but there are ideas like, you know, slash. Even though there was an element of quarterbacking in there, I would say uh, Cordero Patterson is another player that that is a little bit Debo-ish where, you know, what is his real position? You don't know. He is a really good runner of the ball and receiver of the ball. But Debo really is in a in a unique class of one when it comes to I can do two things better than most people can do one. He reminds me a lot of T.O., but there's got to be somebody out there that we're not thinking of that was a runner and a receiver <clears throat> who was really built heavy like that, but also very explosive. I'll have to come up. Give me a give me a day. I'll come up with one. Sean O'Leary says, thanks for the content, fellas. Great listen on the slow day. Agree 100%. Wasn't their A game. They have a knack of saying enough and putting a team away. I do expect their A game next week from kickoff to victory formation. Well, go. it's going to take that to beat a team like the Baltimore Ravens. So that's the Ravens that's, did lose Keaton Mitchell yesterday to a did. to an injury. He's their top young runner, so he will not be there next week. James Foster said bad tackling this game. Lamar on deck. Thoughts? Yeah, get it going. Wrap up. Cheese Leong says if Purdy shreds the Ravens, this will change the narrative. That will change the narrative. 
Uh, if Purdy sh- uh, shreds the, the Ravens, he's the MVP for sure. Geo Kane says, if we lock up the bye before the Rams game, do we rest our starters the last game too? Meaning if Philly loses one more, we should be, should we rest our players week 18? Yes. The answer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. In short, yes. Mike Baker, Ronnie Bell scares the crap out of me every time. Us too. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, yes. Mike Baker, again, seems like following analytics is getting less wise. Um, and then we've got another one here from JJ Raider. He says he became a YouTube member. JJ. Oh, look at it this way. Not only is JJ Raider a member, he is the founding uh, sponsor of the JJ Raider Ganja Jar at this point in time. He brought so much <laughs> weed to Plus Mania 2 Electric Boogaloo that um, JJ Raider is, uh, he'll be toasted at our, our family holiday gathering. Because <laughs> he no no one makes the toast the host as toasty as JJ Raider has so thank you JJ. All right, that's all the uh, the super. So here we go, the top of the chat here. Master Sith Forty has become a YouTube member uh, for Damon Show. T Dizzle has become a YouTube member, and Daniel Marte has become a YouTube member. Thank you, so gentlemen. Thank you. Welcome aboard. Welcome thank you, aboard. Larry, and thank you for acknowledging everyone who did that. And and again, I thank you, Larry, for being uh, a pivotal point of the pivot, a pivotal point of the pivot to my <laughs> career here on YouTube. The growth of my channel is directly directly related to what you and I have done together. The incredible producing that your son Kevin has done on my behalf. And I also know what that look over the shoulder means. It means it's time for me to say, Larry, this has been a great show. I know it's time for angels to fly because they take themselves lightly. You know, Trent, you're really, you know, you know, you're, you gotta go, you're you're Trent. Ralph. Go, 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 no, Ralph. Ralph. You've got a hell of a Trent, but Kruger's got a good Trent as well. And I busted it out yesterday. But I also was in Marin, and I and I and I wasn't at a meat cheese. All right, I wasn't at a meat cheese. I was at pig in a pickle, and it was really good stuff. So it was good to meet everybody. Options. <laughs> <laughs> you had barbecue, you had beer. Uh, it was really good stuff in Marin County. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, hey, thanks to everybody. Thanks for joining Damon's channel. Thanks for uh, joining the Krug Show. Um, that's going to do it for us today. Hope join Damon at 11, right? Damon for 11 a.m. Yes, sir. A little more breakdown. I'll be doing more stuff today, but it is a construction day on the channel until next time. Peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, 